Hey friends, welcome to the Covenant Hope core class of sharing the great news or evangelism. Uh, we're so excited that you are listening to this and are able to join us um, for this core class. I'm really excited to see how God is going to use this material to, to shape us and equip us to become better proclaimers uh, of the greatest news in the world. Um, before we get started, I just kind of want to give um, just a quick overview of where we're going in this course. And so the first week, uh, which is this week, we're going we're gonna to look at why do we share the great news. We're going to consider God's love for us and our love for God, our love for others, and even reasons why or fears that keep us from sharing this. Uh, next week, we'll look at specifically what is the gospel. We want to have a, a real solid foundation of of what is even the gospel that we're proclaiming. We want to make sure that we know how to clearly communicate it and clearly understand it so that we, as we are engaging people uh, in our lives, coworkers, colleagues, friends, that we can clearly proclaim um, this great news. Uh, the following week, week three, we'll be looking at sharing the great news part one. So specifically looking at John chapter four, uh, considering what it means to simplify our language and even getting connected. So how do you enter into a conversation for the very, very first time with a complete stranger? Or I had this colleague that I've been working with for, you know, for a couple of years. How do I now enter in uh, to a gospel or spiritual conversation with him? And so we're going to talk through and learn together on really natural ways that we can, we can do that and do that well. The next week, uh, week four, We'll look at sharing the great news part two. So we'll look at Acts chapter 17, an example of Paul sharing. And we'll consider how do we then get from getting connected to that initial conversation and then turn that into a spiritual conversation. And we're going to do a lot of practice in this course as well. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, uh, we would encourage you to come in person so you can get this practice time. Or reach out to myself or one of the elders. Uh, we'd love to um, even go out together and do this. Uh, week five, we'll be looking at uh, sharing the great news part three. So we'll, we'll look at Acts chapter 26. Um, another example of Paul sharing. And then how do we get from getting connected to spiritual, then now getting to the great news specifically. How do you shift from spiritual conversations to gospel proclamation? Uh, we'll practice telling God's story even through our story. So we'll practice and write out our testimonies um, and, and work on getting to great news conversations. And then our last week together, we'll, we'll look at Acts chapter 8, an example of Philip sharing. Um, so it's sharing the great news part four. Um, then we'll go into, okay, I've gotten connected. I've gotten to spiritual. We have gotten to the great news gospel. Now, how do I get to a response? I think for many of us, this, is, this can be a fearful thing to get to, um, but there are real easy ways um, to do it, and we're called to do it. We're called to proclaim this great news to people and let them know that, hey, there's a decision to make. So we want to point people to Christ, and we're going to look at a few um, simplified great news stories um, going through the prophets, or even one considering if you're sharing with your Hindu friends as well. So um, again, really looking forward to this course. If you, if you go throughout the workbook, this is in the table of contents. Um, and in the very back of this workbook, 
we have a few um, great resources that you can you can link to. Um, one is you know what is not sharing the gospel. Uh, that's in page seventy eight of your workbook. We're going to look at evangelism and the sovereignty of God. We're also going to, going to consider culture as we're engaging um, in this course. So the culture map introduction. And then in the very back, there's some short summaries on how do I engage and share the good news with various people groups, whether they're animist or postmodernist secularist or Hindus or Buddhist or Muslims. And so, there again, they're overarching generalizations, but they're really helpful to consider um, if you have you know a friend or a colleague um, that might come from one of those religious background groups. And there's some really helpful um, points there to consider. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the, the nuts and bolts of the course. Um, really excited about what's going to happen over the next few weeks. Really glad you're taking time to uh, to go through this with us. And so again, the, the course is six weeks long. Um, myself, I'm Taylor, if I haven't introduced myself. Um, Channel, uh, one of our elders at Covenant Hope, will also be teaching this course with me. Um, yeah, the course is six weeks long. It has two components. So one is an individual learning component. So we're going to give you a workbook that you, you can go through. There will be each week links to videos. There will be questions that you will consider as you're going through and reading text and answering those out. So there'll be about one hour of content each week that we would want you to do through the booklet. And then when we meet together in person, we will use that time mostly for learning and discussing and really practicing together on what it looks like to become better evangelist or better, better gospel proclaimers. Um, and so we will also take time for those of you who are attending in person, we'll take time uh, and work together with what I'm calling a gospel friend. So you'll have a partner throughout um, this course. And then the, the main goal for this is just to have a real personal connection and accountability partner that as you're considering people in your life that you want to see come to faith, you and this person are going to gather together and intentionally pray for them, um, intentionally consider how are ways or what steps am I taking to have a gospel conversation with this person or invite this person into Christian community. So we'll talk about that um, as we go. Um, the course primarily aims to do three things. And the first thing is to give us all a foundational understanding of the gospel, first and foremost. We want to, to have a good, clear grasp on what is this great news that we believe. Um, the second thing that this course aims to do is to teach us how to share the great news. I think that that's a fear that many people have. People want to improve. And I, I think that's great that we even have so many people attending our course um, over the next few weeks. Is I think there's a desire within our church that we want to see non-Christians know Jesus and experience the salvation that comes in and through him. And so this course is practically going to help teach us how to share this great news. Um, the third aim that this course has is to help us practice starting conversations and sharing the great news to build a habit of regularly sharing it. We want this to be a part of our DNA as a church. We want to daily be able to point people to Christ. We want to um, develop a gospel fluency in our everyday conversations. And so my hope 
is that this course is going to help us all do that. So let's get started with week one. So week one, why do we share the great news? In this, in this lesson, we're going to see how God's love for us and our love for God and others compels us to share this gospel. So let's first consider God's love for us. The world more and more is telling us that we shouldn't share the gospel. Instead, we should leave people alone to believe what they want to believe. We're even told that it's arrogant to assume that our religion is the only way to heaven. We're told that we're offending people, and in some places we're even told that it is illegal to share the good news. The peoples of the world are not seeking God. They're not asking us to tell them about Jesus, so why do we even do it? Why are we compelled to share the greatest news that we know? Well, I want to say that God's love for us compels us to tell people about him. Let's consider a very, a very common verse that all of us grew up maybe memorizing if we've grown up in the church. John chapter 3, <laughs> verses 16 and 17. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that who, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. If you flip over uh, to Romans and consider Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 26, it says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by, by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So we see from these, these texts that all of us have sinned. Every person in the world has sinned. We fall short of God's standard daily, but salvation is offered through Jesus. We are justified by his grace. Now, justified means that we are made right before God. We are made to conform to his standard. How does this happen? It happens through the propitiation of Christ's blood. It means that Christ covers the sins of those who believe with his sacrificial blood. And as a result, we get an image in Revelation chapter 7, uh, verse 14, of the garments of believers being washed in the blood of the Lamb. We are cleansed and made pure by Christ's blood and his blood only. One theologian writes that propitiation is a sacrifice that bears God's wrath to the end, and in doing so changes God's wrath toward us in favor. So Christ's blood on the cross was not just a sacrifice that appeased God's wrath, it was a sacrifice that also restored us in a favorable relationship with God. Brother and sister, we are unworthy. We completely deserve death. All of humankind throughout all of history deserves death. Yet God, our creator, sent his son into this broken, 
in a rebellious world. He didn't come in power, but in humility. He lived the life that we could not live. He was sinless. Although he was tempted in many ways, he was sinless. He was perfect and righteous. He loved, he healed, he taught, and he died. He allowed us wicked, evil people to persecute him, torture him, humiliate him as we killed him on the cross. And that isn't all. God put on him the weight and wickedness of all of our sin, our evil. He died because of us, because of our sin. He died for us to save us, to remove God's wrath and restore our relationship with God. He died to restore the relationship with God of all who believe in Jesus. And friend, it keeps getting better. He planned this before the ages ever began. The end of Romans chapter 3, verse 25 says this, This was to show that God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. Righteousness in this verse refers to God's character. God is righteous. He conforms to his standard. But it says that he passed over former sins or he pardoned them. If God just pardoned sins or absolved them, then he would become unrighteous. If God just decided to forgive Adam of his sins without propitiation, propitiation, God himself would be unrighteous. If God had simply passed over King David's sin of adultery without requiring propitiation, then God himself is no longer righteous. But that is not what God did. Adam and David's sins were forgiven based on what Christ did for us. Christ's act of substituting himself for our sins goes all the way back to Adam and all the way forward until the day he returns for those who have faith in him. God is glorious and worthy of all worship. Because of what Christ has done on the cross, he is both just and justifier. He is our king, he's our judge, and he's also the justifier. He takes the penalty for our sin upon himself. He is the one who restores our favorable relationship with God by removing the penalty of death. Is this truth not compelling? Christ did what we could not do to save us sinners from a death that we deserve. He took it upon himself and died for us. God shows his righteousness through the gift he offers us all in Jesus. So when God opens our eyes to the truth and we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, our heart is filled with love for God. We desire to serve him. Our joy is found in worshiping God. But how do we do this? How do we worship God? Jesus teaches us that we are to love God and love others. If you flip over with me to Mark um, chapter 12, verses 29 through 31, it says thus, Jesus answered, saying, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And this is the second command. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. 
So Jesus calls us to love God with all that we are. We are to love him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and strength. And we're to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And we are to love others and care for them as we care for ourselves as well. Now, if you're following along in your workbook at this point, as you're going through it each week, uh, there's a few questions um, at the end of each section. I would just encourage you to, to really take time and consider um, these questions, to ponder them, to pray through them, and then write your answers so that we can discuss it the following week when we gather back together in person. Okay, so we just considered why do we share the great news? First, we, we know... We share the great news because of God's love for us. Second, we share the great news because of our love for God. Psalm chapter 96, verses 1 through 4 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. So how do we love God? Well, we love God by worshiping and praising him. We sing praises. That's what we just read in Psalm. We tell of his marvelous works because he is great and worthy to be praised by all the peoples of the earth. Not just a select people or people group, but all peoples, even the most wicked of people they are worthy to know God and be praised by. Um, they are worthy to give God praise. And so that's what we want to do. We want to uh, tell them, no matter who it is, so that they can worship uh, God. So we worship God by telling people the gospel. This is why we're here. This is what we're here to learn. This is why we have a desire to to know how to best do this. So we worship God by telling people the gospel, the greatest news that we know. God's most marvelous work is sending Jesus to live a sinless life, die to save wicked sinners, and then three days later rise from the dead. This is amazing news. It's worth rejoicing about day after day. Friend, let that sink in. This is the greatest news on all the earth. And when we have great news, we want to that. So when someone, if you think about it, when someone close to us does something important, like maybe graduate from college or get married, what do we do? We celebrate. We tell our family and friends. We send out graduation invites. We send out wedding invitations. We hoop and holler at the end of a church service or in our prayer meeting that someone's engaged or someone's having a baby. We don't keep this news to ourselves, but in our joy, we spread the good news to all who are around us. We want everyone to know this. Um, I think back even when I was a, a, a child and my youngest sister is about nine years younger than me, and my dad had a billfold wallet that he would take everywhere he went. Um, and in that, when he opened up his wallet, he had picture, like you know, like kind of a photo album, a wallet, a wallet-sized photo album. And he was so excited when my baby sister was born and her baby pictures and he would even to strangers he would just pull out his wallet to show pictures of his fourth uh, child because he was so excited and he didn't want to keep that news in and I think about that often when I think about the great news um, and that's how we should respond to it 
We should respond to the truth that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. We should be so happy. We should be excited and thankful that we all the time are telling people we meet about our Heavenly Father's amazing work. God's love compels us to love Him. So again, this week, I would encourage you to consider how do you respond when someone you love accomplishes something important like graduating from college or getting married? What is your response? And how much more so should our response be to celebrating the amazing work that God has done for us through Jesus? Okay, so we've considered God's love for us. We've considered our love for God. And now let's consider our love for others. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39 says this, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Previously, we looked at Psalm chapter 96 in the uh, section just a few minutes ago. And in the psalm, we see that loving God leads us to worship through telling other people about his amazing works, about the great news. And in Matthew chapter 22, we read that Jesus has called us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So how, how do we do both? How do we do that? Well, there's two ways to look at this. First, we love others as we love ourselves. This means that we care for them like we care for ourselves. And secondly, we can view it as we are to love others as we desire to be loved. We are to care for others as we desire for people to care for us. If we know that Jesus is the source of life and that the greatest news we've ever heard is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, why would we not tell others as soon as possible? We cannot say that we love others if we do not tell them about Jesus. We know that Jesus is the only way to a right relationship with God. We know that all people are dead without Christ. So the question is not why should we share the great news with people. It is, it is why would we not share? When we choose not to share we choose not to love that person as much as we possibly can. Now, I would caution us in saying, like, this does not mean that every time we interact with someone who does not know Jesus, that we must share the gospel. This does not mean that we meet a beggar who is hungry and thirsty, we ignore his or her physical needs, and only seek to address his or her spiritual needs for Jesus. But it does mean that as we meet physical needs, we also address spiritual needs and share the great news. It does mean that we are burdened for our family, our friends, coworkers, and neighbors to turn to follow Jesus. So we respectfully seek opportunities to talk with them about Jesus. I want to share with a scenario with you. This is something that um, we were actually faced with quite a bit when we uh, lived and worked in China. Um, you had, you had people, workers there from all over the place. Um, you had different, different ideas on how to engage people. And you had some on one hand that were very, you know, when you're engaging Muslims, that very more insider movement is what we would call it. So they would go in and they would 
in many ways even say that they're Muslim because being Muslim means to submit to God. And so they would go and do all of, um, <coughs> go into the mosque and do all of kind of the rituals and everything. And they would befriend people. And then months later, all of a sudden, then they start to share that, in fact, they're followers of Jesus. And so I want to share this scenario with you because we, we have seen kind of the impacts, the negative impacts of this um, previously. So imagine you move into a new neighborhood and begin building a relationship with your neighbor. You and your neighbor have a lot in common and you're becoming good friends. But you have not shared the great news with them yet. You've decided to wait until your friendship is more established so that your friendship will survive if they're offended when you share. And after six months of building a strong friendship and doing life together, you decide, hmm, it's now time to share with them this news. You begin trying to build up courage and find the right time. Weeks go by and you never find the right time. You feel awkward, you're worried and fearful and you keep putting it off. After a year, you finally build up the courage and blurt out the gospel. He or she responds by saying, what you believe is similar to what I believe. Both ways will get us to heaven. You respond, Jesus is the only way. That is what I believe. At this, your friend says, if you believe Jesus is the only way, then why did you wait so long to tell me? Now, how is it loving to not share the truth with someone? How is it loving to wait months for the right situation? The gospel may offend your family member. It may offend your friend or your coworker or neighbor. When they see how important God is to you, the love you have for God and for him or her, most people will understand why you shared with them. Some will even thank you for sharing, even though they do not believe it. When we act out of love, most people are very gracious, even when they disagree. So I would encourage you, pray for all of your friends. Pray for your family members. Pray for your coworkers and neighbors who do not know Jesus. Ask God to help us all love them well. Ask God to create opportunities for you to share the great news. And ultimately, ask God to save them. Now, I want you to take some time now to consider who may be some people God has placed in your life to love. And then how do we best love those people God places in our life in light of what we've just heard and what we've learned? Okay, so we, why do we share the great news? We share the great news because of God's love for us. We share the great news because of of our love for God, and we share the great news because of our love for others. Now, I want, I, I know that sharing the great news is sometimes for many of us very uncomfortable. This is something we're not really used to, just going up to people and telling them, and there's fears. And the reality is, is that we have an enemy that is seeking to still kill and destroy that does not want us to proclaim the greatest news. And so he puts fears in our lives. And so I want us to consider now just some reasons we do not share the great news. So if you, if you flip in your workbook and, and you have that with you, 
there's a little video to, to look at from Mark Dever um, titled How to Fell in Your Evangelism. So it's about a three-minute link. So take a few minutes uh, in your free time. If you're listening and driving, don't do that now, but wait um, into your free time to, to take a look at that. Okay, so let's consider just four reasons. There are many other reasons, but I want us to consider four reasons we often do not share the good news. So please consider uh, as we're going through this, if any of these are a struggle for you. Um, I know at various times and points of my life, some of these have been have been challenges, uh, have been struggles for me. Um, and so may we not allow any of these reasons to hinder us from pointing people to Jesus. So the first reason we often do not share is I don't know enough. This reason is a very common fear. We are afraid that when we share, the, the person will ask questions we cannot answer. We want to look smart. We want to be able to answer all the questions someone may have about the Bible. Or maybe it is we don't understand someone's culture or their religion well, so we just wait. We may read books, we learn, and as we learn, that we find there's always more to learn. Cultures and religions are very complicated. Um, now, it is important to understand there, there's much that we do not know, and we need to approach a conversation with confidence and humility. So, friend, if you believe Jesus is the way, if you believe he's the truth and the life, and that the only way to come to God is through Jesus, you know enough to share the great news. So we can start sharing the gospel the day we start following Jesus. Yes, people may ask you questions that you cannot answer. And it is okay to say, I don't know, but I'll, I'll, I'll look up the answer and come back to you. Or maybe, friend, let's, let's go to the Bible to, <laughs> together and really consider what you're asking. Like, I, I want to answer this well, but I, I, don't, I don't know everything at this point. And that's okay. Uh, I want us to feel comfortable even saying that. Uh, it can even be helpful to not have all the answers about a person's culture or even their religion. Uh, it encourages you to open with questions about them. So ask questions that will help you learn and understand what that individual thinks or what they believe. Um, even if someone identifies from a certain religious background and you know everything, you think you know everything there is to know about that specific religious background, don't assume that everyone fits under this, it, within that same box. Ask really good questions. And as you ask questions, listen well, learn, and then pray, asking God to provide an opportunity to bridge to the great news. So, friend, do not allow the fear of making mistakes or not knowing enough to keep you from sharing. You will learn the most through having conversations and sharing the gospel. And if you, if you take this approach and you, you take the approach of a learner, then as your friend is responding to you and answering your questions, it's also going to give you the platform and the opportunity to share what you know is true about who God is. So the first reason is I don't know enough. Don't let that be a stumbling block. The second is I am busy just being a friend. It is common to believe that the best way to open the door to share the great news is to take time building a friendship and showing that you genuinely love someone. 
After you've proved your friendship is real, then you can share. This is often referred to as, you know, some label it as friendship evangelism. The problem is that after three to six months, when it is time to share the gospel, new fears and questions always arise. Will sharing the great news put a strain on the relationship that I've worked hard to build? Will my friend wonder why I waited so long to share with him or her? Or will my friend be open to the great news when I share? Yes, you have built a friendship in order to share the gospel. It is very possible your friend may realize you are only building the relationship so that they will turn to follow Jesus. However, if from the very beginning you share, and even as they reject the gospel, you continue to build the friendship, what does that communicate? It communicates you care for them even when they disagree with you. And it also communicates that for you, following Jesus is the most important thing in your life. So friend, I would encourage you to... As you are engaging and praying for for friends and family members and coworkers, um, share the gospel with them. Tell them the great news of Jesus as quickly as you can. Get them to the Bible and stay there as long as you can um, with them, because it's also it's going to communicate that you care for them even when they disagree with you. And you never know how God might be working in and through their lives. Maybe you share with them, you continue that on that friendship, and maybe years down the road, they have a dream or someone else comes into their life or an event happens that causes them to start considering the meaning of life. And then they may come to you or they may remember, oh, I have this friend who is a Christian. Um, maybe I can ask them their opinion on, on this situation. So we, we want to share quickly with them. So don't just be busy just being a friend. The third reason that we often do not share is I do not want to offend or get in trouble. The gospel is offensive, friend. And in some places in the world, it is illegal to share the gospel. People may get mad. You could even lose your job. You could be deported. You could possibly even go to jail. All of these things are possible. We can become afraid of what might happen to us because there is ultimately a cost to following Christ. Persecution is real. We do not let our fears keep us from loving people by sharing the great news. In Acts chapter 4, verse 29, after Peter and John were told, not to talk about Jesus. They, they, along with the church, prayed for boldness to keep on sharing. Friend, if, if this is you, if you are afraid um, or living in a place or considering going to a place where you could get in trouble, <coughs> remember God is sovereign. Now, we do need to be wise, but we also should expect persecution. So let, let us pray for God to fill us with this wise courage. Um, brothers and sisters, this is, this is one that we, uh, as a family, have struggled with. Uh, we spent six years uh, serving in China, uh, northwest China, and it was illegal to proselytize, to share the great news uh, where we were at. And there were times and seasons where we were brought in for questioning, and the reality was, is I could get my visa revoked. I could have easily gone to prison. We could have certainly been deported. Um, or we could have gotten other people in trouble. 
And so we were faced with a question is, do we let that fear paralyze us and we just live life and not share? Or do we continue moving forward in faith, that trusting that God is sovereign, but also being really wise in the way we communicate the great news? And so one of the ways we did it is what we're going to outline in this course um, is getting connected with people well getting into spiritual conversations, asking great questions, because when you take that approach, it becomes less and less offensive and it becomes conversational rather than you talking down to someone. And so there's some, definitely some wise techniques uh, that we use that we hope to share with you throughout uh, this course. Okay, so that was three. So offending and getting in trouble. Four, I live out the great news. Do I really need to share it too? Sometimes we find comfort in the idea that our light for Jesus shines bright enough through our actions. So we do not need to share. We believe people can see Christ in us. They can see how we're different. They can see why they should follow Jesus. Of course, we want to live for Jesus and to be different. We want to love in ways that non-believers do not love. But when we choose not to speak the great news, we're placing the responsibility on the lost person to seek out why we are different. Just because someone can see you are different does not mean that they realize it is because you believe in Jesus. We must tell them. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So faith comes from hearing the gospel. So let us live for Christ and tell others why we live for him. Friends, let's not let these fears and many others that we could we could mention um, rejection or, or or various other fears that that um, we could consider. But let's not let these fears keep us from loving people well by sharing the great news. God's love for us and our love for Him compels us to declare His marvelous works to all the peoples around us. So, friend, let's joyfully share the greatest news that we know.